Jared Brown handles the vocals at Audiophile, and he's meeting with The Antidote. Thanks for coming, Jared. Uh, thanks for having me, Dave. It's been six years since the beginning of Audiophile, so I guess we're all due to hear the creation story. How did the band begin? Well, I think a lot of bands started as some guys getting together with, you know, a guitarist and a drummer, a bassist, you know, jamming in a garage. But uh, for me, it was definitely more um, conceptual. Audiophile started as just a name that I picked out when I was doing a completely different genre of music. I first started writing hip hop for, I want to say, a year, maybe two years. Audiophile existed as the name that me and two other guys used as our uh, Christian rap collective, basically. So it was a fun time. It was around uh, 2015, 2016. And when that kind of disintegrated, I decided that I still liked the name. Uh, it had come to mean something special to me, um, basically, that all kinds of music have been influential in my life. Every genre has found some way to uh, influence the way that I write and think about recording music. So I decided that even though I was going to switch up the genre completely, that I would go ahead and keep using the name. So from there, a friend of mine who had been doing the rap with me before, we were like trying to decide like if, if we could make any kind of music we wanted to, what would we want to do? And we just decided that we had grown up listening to basically pop punk, mm -hmm. um, alternative rock in general, but more on the, the pop punk side. And we figured we would go give that a spin and see if we liked that. So we made one song uh, called Back to California. And we basically just tried to encompass everything that would be a, a pop punk record. Crazy fast drums and writing lyrics about going to the beach and power chords, basically. You know, the, the golden formula. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it worked. Uh, we were happy with the product and we weren't sure what our audience was going to think about it because we had a small following from the the hip-hop that kind of carried over and to our surprise um it was a positive response so we decided that we would uh just kind of go from there and uh since then we've had a good amount of lineup changes and uh had more of a solid lineup since the beginning of 2018 but yeah that was the beginning then why don't you give us the current band lineup so um Hayden Finney is the name of our rhythm guitarist and the uh, secondary songwriter. We come up with a lot of the songs together. Mm -hmm. uh, his brother, Lucas Finney, is our bassist and our harsh vocalist. And then we have Josh Baker on the drums. He's been a part since 2020. And Pacemaker, a multi-talented producer, guitarist, uh, drummer, rapper, bassist, anything you need him to be. Uh, but in our band, uh, lead guitar and keys as well pacemaker the alias <laughs> exactly <laughs> when you first took on the name audiophile is that for real are you really that much of a music geek not in the traditional sense when it comes to high fidelity or um you know being very particular about my speaker sizes or anything like that but since i was really young i've, I've definitely had a uh, obsession with any band or rapper or singer that I've been into, um, I've pretty much like been the biggest fan that I could find for whoever that was. So like when I find out about a band and I really start to like them, um, I, I pretty much have to know everything about them, know all the songs, like 
be ready whenever they're coming to town. Setlist FM is a site where you can kind of see what sets bands have played. That's right. And uh, whenever I go see bands, I like to see kind of like the different changes between the the night I saw them and like the other nights. So less on the technical side am I an audiophile and more in some sort of like uh, legacy side, I guess you could say. More like the creepy obsessed fan side of it. Sure, absolutely. (laughs) I'll take it. So debut EP, you guys must have put things on the fast track because it came out just a year after Audiophile began, the current version. So you had that EP, We Can Never Go Back. You must have been pretty focused have that release come out so quickly. I think part of it was that myself had been doing music for four or five years at that point pretty seriously, and then for Hayden and Lucas, the brothers coming in, who had also been doing their own project before coming into Audiophile, um, pretty seriously for the past few years, we we'd um, gotten over the idea of just playing around with it and had decided that we wanted to seriously put our name out there, at least push ourselves enough to be able to say that Audiophile was a real thing, that we had a solid release that somebody could listen to. But the general sound of the project is a little bit, I guess, diverse is a nice way to say it. Um, totally. We've kind of always considered that project to be more like a mixtape than a official EP, um, just because in finishing the writing process for that, it was basically 50-50 songs that Hayden had started before he came into Audiophile and songs that I'd already started. And so once we decided that we were all going to be one thing, um, we basically just said, okay, how do I make your stuff sound more like me and how do I make my stuff sound more like you and kind of just present it as one thing and see if people notice or not. You certainly did see that diversity on the original release, because as you'd said, I would have said it was pop punk, that that kind of dominates. But you really switch things up by giving people a tune like I'm a Mess. Yeah, that was, uh, I guess, the first attempt at something uh, post-hardcore for us. But I guess we're kind of like newbies when it comes to that, so it probably just sounded like depressed pop punk. But it was definitely a a switch from uh, some of the other tracks on there. Well, you know, something that really threw me was the song, Kimberly, You're Dead to Me. That song title really messed me up because I thought it was about a relationship, but that's not it at all. No, um, so that one has kind of been just a little joke for us. The song is about making it out of the hometown, sort of generic pop punk subject saying that Right now, I'm at a small level. I haven't made a name for myself, but one day I'm going to take this music and I'm going to do something extraordinary with it. And uh, Kimberly is the town that Hayden was living in when we started working on this song. And so basically the idea was our little small town saying this town's dead to me and I'm going past it. And we we thought it was funny because it would definitely turn heads. So uh, (laughs) looks like it worked. Okay, so have you achieved the dream then? Did you get out of Kimberly? Well, I don't live in Kimberly right now, so I, I guess you could say so. But <laughs> but we're still in the same area. We're still in the process of making it, I guess you could say. Sure. Well, it's pretty clear that different bands swing different ways. And I'm not sure how you describe audiophile. Do you consider yourself to be a live band, or is it more studio-based? I would consider us to be more of a live band. 
we've spent the better part of the last two years, basically whenever we got the restrictions lifted to start playing shows again, we hit the ground running and haven't really stopped. Honestly, we would have more music out if we would quit playing so many shows. We really just like to take every opportunity we can get because for us, there's nothing more fun than the live experience. I mean, writing and producing, finalizing the track, that's great. And it's always awesome when you get to hear back what you've created. But there's just so much good energy at a live show. It's a good feeling that I really can't describe it any other way. But you can't put down your discography because really you've had, what, three releases in four years, which is pretty significant. Uh, When you look back at it, it looks pretty good, I guess. It's kind of hard with the current climate of music. Everything is quantity over quality, it seems like. And um, we've tried to hold tight to the idea that we would, as audiophiles, namesake would suggest that we would rather make really good music and make less of it then just put out whatever we can finish. Oh, I agree with that 100%. Because so much music that comes out is so bad. I can't argue with you there. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess part of it is that, you know, taste is subjective. So obviously, some people are okay with the, like, program drums and the guitar tones that sound kind of like phoned in or the vocals that, you can tell they maybe got it in one or two takes and try to fix the rest in post. And mm-hmm. for some people, that's their cup of tea, and they're, they're not so focused on the quality of it. So maybe that is part of it. Maybe we are a little bit more technical audio falls than I would have admitted before. When you get into the songwriting process, how does it come together for audiophile? Is it just you and Hayden? Usually we start songs... Something will come to one of us, either a uh, melody for a verse or a chord progression or something really simple that's not beyond just an instrument and some vocals. And we like to kind of uh, incubate it, work on it together first before we bring it to the rest of the band, just to kind of make sure that we have something good before we take the time to build out the rest of it. Because we would rather be confident in the song itself, in the heart of it the meat you know before we go and spend all the extra hours in the studio finding every little tambourine and uh synth sample and background vocal and harmony when if it's a bad song we should just go ahead and you know cut it off before it gets too far i guess the real question is is songwriting easy i think songwriting is easy if you have a standard for what is a good song to you Every time we start a project, we usually have a song that is our standard for um, what the quality, not necessarily the genre, but the sound and energy and kind of like the lyrical maturity as well. Something that will basically serve as a blueprint for the rest of the project. So with We Can Never Go Back, Back to California was the first song that we said, if it doesn't match with this song, then we don't want it to be a part of the project. Going forward, we did that with our next EP, with the song The Coast, and then with our album Years Beyond My Wisdom, the song Sydney, all served kind of as the first track, the the groundwork to make the rest of the album on top of it. And that's exactly the song I was going to bring up, because going through the lyrics, you know, going, oh, The Coast is a callback to Back to California. Yeah, 
yeah, we uh, <laughs> it's funny because a lot of bands will um take the time later in their career to build on something that their fans loved and you know kind of pay homage but you know after they've earned it and we were like no nah, we're gonna go ahead and put the call back on the second project and get it over with <laughs> i think repeating is kind of common in this day and age um with taylor swift did her re-recordings for uh, some of her albums to get her masters back and right. ever since then we've seen a lot of bands kind of re-release stuff without actually changing anything about it which mm -hmm. you know if that's what they want to do it's their art more power to them um but you can have a tasteful use of your old work and kind of like move forward and still pay respect to what you did in the past yeah totally being a young band in this day and age is kind of scary um, but also kind of cool to, to know that labels don't really hold the power that they did even 10 years ago, but mm -hmm. especially not 25 years ago. So um, the only thing that's preventing Audiophile from dropping the best music we've ever made um, is us making the music, you know? So if we could go ahead and record a song today and release it tomorrow, and there'd be nothing holding that back. Do you have some lower quality music going out because there aren't checks and balances? Sure, it definitely makes the the pool larger and you have to search around a little bit more to find the new bands that you like, mm -hmm. but it, it does breed creativity because you have to try harder to make something unique. And at the same time, something that's holds up that people want to listen to. Absolutely. Something that I do want to bring up is that I know that the members of audiophile come from a faith background, but you don't really see much of that in your music. We um, decided when we went forward from the um, youth rally days what kind of band we wanted to be. And uh, I decided that I would have a lot better chance to meet people in the regular music industry that would never give us any time of day if we presented ourselves as a Christian band. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to open those doors to make real connections, not just passing starting a conversation and five minutes into it ministering which i have nothing against um there's obviously a time for that and some people feel very called to it personally in the band we feel like we can cover more ground for what we're called to do by making regular music that is kind of vanilla i guess in a sense or just something that most people could relate to even if they weren't christians and um, hopefully from there, we can make real-life connections at shows through social media and try to make real connections that are deeper than just five-minute conversation. And from there, hopefully, we could be impactful in their life to the point where they might listen to what we have to say. And at that point, have a great opportunity to share the gospel just by being someone genuine in their life. Mm-hmm. Then what is it that motivates you to create music? I mean, it, it can't be the pay because nobody makes money from music. <laughs> I think it's always been what I wanted to do. Even when I was four or five going to concerts, uh, my dad was a youth pastor when I was growing up. So I got the privilege of going to a lot of cool shows that little kids probably wouldn't have got to go to. But just seeing the experience being up on stage somebody being in charge of helping everybody else have a fun time 
sounded like a job that I would like to do. Family Force 5 has always been the number one inspiration for me as far as what a live show looks like um, because they weren't super focused on creating the most refined song that was you know completely mature and everyone was going to say that they were <laughs> geniuses they were just up there to throw some hulk hands on and get everybody crunk and so for me that sounds like the most fun job in the world and that's basically uh what got me into doing music and the writing part kind of just goes along with it i guess last year you changed things up no singles no ep you actually pulled out a full length years beyond my wisdom i thought albums were history so <laughs> so did our bassist he, he kind of made that same point um we came to the realization in 2019 that we would have a better marketing advantage if we were to move to a single um, release strategy mm-hmm. um and so when we started the creation for the songs that ended up being the album, the plan was very uh, single-based. Um, I, I think at one point, half of the tracks um, would have become one EP and the others would have become another. Um, we released an EP in 2020 called Neapolitan. Mm-hmm. And the first three tracks on that were released that way, single, single, and then the third one makes it an EP. The plan was to keep that going. And three of the songs that would have been the next three singles were on the album. And um, we kind of just realized that we had spent so much time and effort into these songs that they were special in a way that we knew we were capable of doing the quick one-off singles. Mm -hmm. But we felt like with the timing, um, some different things that were going on in our life. I got married and our bassist got married. And it felt like it was a point in the the timeline where we wanted to put some sort of checkpoint down, I guess you could say. So uh, we basically just from that point realized that we had seven or eight tracks that sounded like an album. And we just figured might as well go ahead and tell the story as a whole instead of just stringing it along when it wanted to be an album. We kind of just let it be an album. It's funny that you spoke about being married now, because quite a few audiophile songs are about relationships. I mean, crappy relationships. Isn't that really the premise of the new album? It is. Um, the title, Years Beyond My Wisdom, is a play on the idea, Wise Beyond My Years. And uh, basically, the large majority of the album is talking about just different experiences I've had that were really stupid things that happened uh, either because I did something stupid or because someone else did something stupid and it affected me in a negative way. But just kind of the immaturity that goes into relationships, especially romantic relationships, um, when you are young, when you're acting in passion and in love with, with no regard for the future. But the last few tracks on the album we kind of reeled it in and wanted to talk about remorse and forgiveness and ultimately true love. Concepts that are pretty simple, but harder to write good songs about, it feels like. It's pretty easy to write a song telling somebody that they suck or that your heart's broken. It's very, very commonplace in pop punk. Um, mm-hmm. But towards the end of the album, where we did some songs uh, like All In My Head, where we talked about 
closure after a relationship. Uh, White Lies was a song kind of repenting for spending your life uh, focused on being selfish instead of uh, spending that time focusing on what God wants for your life. And I'm Okay With Giving You My Heart was a song about being vulnerable, especially it was dedicated for us to our wives getting married, just being aware that it's hard to give somebody such a big part of you. Um, But that's the beauty of the whole thing. Let's talk about one of those songs. I think the best one, speaking about crappy relationships, is Sydney. Is it just me or does everyone go for that song? Oh yeah, that's that's been a hit the whole time. That was the first song we rolled out from the album and it hasn't left the set since. We we've tried to to not play it and every time we we have to play it. Um, <laughs> everybody loves it. And it has a hilarious video. Thank you. We we had a good time with that one. So, years beyond my wisdom. The way you're talking, it's like you're 50 years old and you're doing a life retrospective. Are you getting old before your time? Maybe so. Or maybe it's like a Benjamin Button thing and I'm going to get younger. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. The rest of the guys in the band will be changing your diapers. That's right. <laughs> I'm probably going to surprise you by this, but I really do think that the standout from Years Beyond My Wisdom is the song that's the most stripped down. White Lies has this long, simple piano intro. Then the vocals come in. The marrow in my bones, I can feel you next to me, but you change something I don't know, because you're something I can't see. Lyrics like that are a change for the band, because, I mean, having mysterious lyrics isn't typical for audiophile. I think we definitely felt comfortable writing lyrics like this a while ago, but we didn't feel like um, we had made a, a space in our music for it yet. So we were kind of waiting for the right time with this song. It was one of the early writings for this project. I think the first version of it was probably early 2019. And we we went through several different production headaches trying to figure out what we wanted to do. It really started out similar to another song we have called Cold originally, and it was sort of like a synth pop uh, track. Mm -hmm. And that felt a little bit too flashy for what we were trying to do. Normally, since we are such a high energy, have a good time, not be serious at all band, I feel like some of our lyrics just kind of go out the window. And since we wanted to tell something a little bit more thought-provoking with this song, we decided that the best thing to do would just be to to put as little in there as possible um, on the production end. That way we could force the lyrics in the listener's face and kind of make them come to terms with it. That's cool. So you do really want it to be thoughtful and not just fun. Absolutely. Well, let me pull in a song that we haven't talked about. You've mentioned about getting married, but I can really see how you're going to have a future problem because now that you are settled into a permanent relationship, you're not going to be able to write any more songs like Work of Art. That's a... (laughs) That's something that I sometimes think about. Um, so there are a few songs that on the project that are scattered throughout there that are kind of through the lens of my current relationship that were written about my wife. And uh, Work of Art uh, was one of those songs where I wanted to put something together that would um, serve the project um, and that would 
set up some dominoes that would fall down on the last track, I'm okay with giving you my heart. Um, so whereas that track is about being comfortable with the vulnerability that goes into committing to someone, this is kind of the opposite end, and it's saying that you know you're falling in love with someone, you know that you would be super interested in, in having something special with them, but your track record kind of says that it's not going to work out because, you know, not, not every relationship is the fairy tale ending. More often than not, it ends in some sort of knockdown drag out fight and then, you know, not talking to that person ever again. So it was kind of just about the fear of ruining this image you have for someone you treasure deeply and you think the world of them. And so you think that you would just ruin their life basically that having a relationship with them would kind of just ruin any chance that you don't want to act on because you think you would mess it up i'm really going to put you on the spot here well tell us about the years beyond my wisdom what song do you think from the album is going to be the most impactful well when it comes to our future as a band we've kind of decided that last night um is going to be the song that becomes a new standard before we go into the the next set of songs that we're working on um we have had a great time making music that's in the pop punk realm and we don't see ourselves not doing that but last night has some qualities that a lot of our songs haven't had in the past somehow i feel like we were able to present every part of our spectrum of taste with this song so you have you have a very good dance groove in the Mm -hmm. verses in the chorus um, you have this little soft falsetto moment in the post choruses. Um, you have a lo-fi hip hop verse that turns into a mid two thousand style rapping, which eventually turns into screaming. Um, so I I don't know a lot of songs that have this much range in our discography. I think a lot of times we do one sound really good, um, but this feels almost like we're doing something new, taking some of our influences and, and kind of creating a sound with it. So I definitely think last night has become the most impactful, at least on the band. And does that make you nervous about going for a pretty significant change? I should say yes, but I'm very confident in what we have going right now. Um, whereas We Can Never Go Back was sort of a Frankenstein project where we kind of just took bits and pieces of what we already had going with years we basically started with a good foundation and and built something on top of it we still do have the the change that our lead guitarist uh logan pacemaker pace came on board uh, mid-album process so there's still room to rock the boat a little bit and um, see where that takes us in a different stylistic direction but for the most part we started the project on a unified front and we ended it on a unified front. Uh, so anything that was in this album, I feel like represents the five of us. And so any sound that we found on here, will be comfortable taking forward. And now we know the future. I do want to thank you for your time, Jared. It's been great having you here for a talk about audio file. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. <laughs>